So we must invest with a multi-factor mindset is my high conviction proposition for this presentation. So I want us to keep that in the back of my mind as uh, I guess we go on a bit of a journey. Our journey is somewhat of a simple process where we're going to go from the macro to the micro. We're going to consider the two big factors that have been very topical the last few years, that's value and growth. We're going to look at them in the context of today. And, and at the end, uh, we're going to actually choose a, an investment manager based on, on some, some of this criteria that we discuss along the way. So we're focused, uh, I guess, in terms of the manager selection uh, within the global equities um, asset class. So just to keep it simple, okay? So value versus growth. Um, what, what I've got here is a chart that shows rolling 12-month performance pretty much since when markets started to take off after the GFC from the end of February 2009 uh, to the end of uh, March this year. And uh, what you can see um, is, so the bottom chart, the blue one, that, that shows how well the MISCI World Index has done on a rolling 12-month basis. And for the most part, you know, it's, it's provided a, a pretty strong excess return over cash, certainly well into the double digits. And on a rolling 12-month basis, it's still pretty positive through to the end of March. Uh, the top chart, the purple one, has shown that over that same period, yeah, growth has outperformed value. And we can see serious outperformance uh, pretty much through to what I point out there is when there's somewhat of an inflection point with growth, the first inflection point, let's put it that way, where you know, the successful, the first successful vaccine paper results were, were published and all of a sudden that value metric started to come back and we could see that, I guess, that growth versus value started to sort of normalise a little bit. And, and through to the end of this year, it's been, yeah, not, not too much different on a rolling 12-month basis to previously. Okay. Now, over this particular period, the average RBA cash rate's been 2.2%. Inflation's been relatively low, also around 2.2%. And with respect to the USA, and don't forget, this is all um, global markets, the average Fed cash is half a percent with a similar CPI to Australia. So let's keep that in mind. Okay. So whilst I've, I've just mentioned that the vaccine was one, one inflection point. I think, I think right now or this year, we've got another inflection point with markets as well. And I think this inflection point is very, very different to what we've seen since the end of the GFC with those low cash and low inflation rates. And I don't think anyone's really going to disagree too much with that. So let's go through some of them. Um, you know, COVID as a risk, which has you know, obviously been the biggest one with markets over the last two and a bit years, that seems to have shifted to the background. It's still significant risk, but it's probably not the, the primary one at the moment. Um, inflation's, you know, clearly here. It's forecast to stay pretty much to the rest of the, uh, of the year by most economists, as opposed to the low inflation since the GFC. So with that, there's a pretty broad ex acceptance. So it's pretty much the closest thing to a guarantee if we're going to forecast markets that... Um, we, there's a, we expect cash rates going to increase. And obviously, they've already started both here, USA, New Zealand, Canada, all around the world. 
Another aspect feeding into this is food energy commodity prices are high. You know, they're expected to stay high, particularly whilst the war between Russia and Ukraine uh, continues. And then finally, um, you know, this inflection, this high inflation, this high, high cash rate increase has seen a significant outperformance of value over, over growth. So the question mark, the question that we have is, well, will this continue? So that, that's sort of like, will the cheap securities continue to outperform growth? I've got a chart here that I stole from AQR that was only published last uh, Friday, actually. And this shows this um, value spread of uh, valuations with respect to uh, how, how many standard deviations away from normal. And you can see that you know, this recent downturn has really only just taken, gone from the top, and there's probably still significant downside risk with this value versus growth uh, comparison if we go back to, I guess, how things have behaved since 1990. So there is still potential downside risk, and that's probably a question we have when looking at this value versus growth um, uh, issue. Okay. So that's since a lot of that data is since the, the GFC or since the end of the GFC. So let's let's look a little bit uh, further back, okay? And so my data with respect to value and growth, and that is the MSCI indices, so the MISCI world value versus MISCI world growth, we're going back to 1975 now, okay? So we've got almost 50 years worth of data here. And I, I just want to point out just a couple of simple things, okay? I've circled the obvious one. When US cash rates have gone in, have been going up or increasing, that is really when the value, our performance compared to growth, that is, or even compared to the market, has been at its highest. That's the biggest difference in this chart. Okay. When cash rates are falling or cash rates are steady, it's sort of gone either way. We've got, you know, value slightly outperforming growth in falling cash rates. We've got you know, with steady cash rates, growth has slightly outperformed value, but that there's a big over 4% difference when US cash rates are rising, okay? In fact, um, it's also worth pointing out that growth's worst performance relative to value was actually when US cash rates were increasing, but from a level above 4.8%. Obviously, we're in lower um, uh, nominal cash rate levels at the moment, but suffice to say, this is certainly, you know, we are expecting cash rates to increase moving forward. So this is part of the, I guess, evidence behind what we've seen in more recent times. And there is still some down, downward risk with respect to growth or the market compared to value. And what I mean by that is there's probably still uh, more fuel in the tank with respect to the value outperformance. Okay. So... Let's shift, let's assume, okay, that we want to bias our portfolio towards value, okay? And so we're going to start looking for a value manager in global equities. So what I've got here is a, uh, I've chosen four uh, value uh, managers. Uh, I've got a chart here of their performance and it's versus the MISCI World Index that we've just been looking at as well. And it's, it's back, uh, I've gone back five years roughly, or a bit over five years, it looks like. Um, those four value managers, um, I'll just label them, uh, I'm not naming them, so I'm just going to label them with respect to the colours, okay? So we've got the, the red one, the orange one, the blue, and the green. And the turquoise colour is the, is the benchmark. 
And you can see through to that uh, uh, vaccine published paper in late 2020, all four of these value managers have underperformed, okay? But we can see that, you know, that they've certainly increased since and only the red one has sort of outperformed the markets over these last five years. So if we believe in value as a, as a style moving forward, then probably looking at, you know, longer term past performance is probably not a good thing if we think, you know, that matters, okay? So let's just look at the... Uh, more recent performance, okay? And let's sort of test whether these value, four value strategies have outperformed. And so we're going back six months and we can see again, the red one, the green one, the orange and the blue has outperformed the turquoise that is the market, okay? So as we would hope and expect, you know, these value style strategies in terms of the way they state their investment style, is demonstrated what we would expect with, with the more recent times. So interest rate, inflation heading up, the value has outperformed as expected. So many of you may be thinking that it looks like perhaps the red one is the obvious choice because it's sort of demonstrated perhaps more skill, uh, but certainly has been the better performer over the longer term and certainly the, 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 sh the shorter term. So let's have a look, a deeper dive, okay? But before we do, I want to point out some of the issues around factor investing or style investing. Um, that there's, it's the issue of definition. And when we look at, when we're considering the value style or, or the types of securities value style um, invest, um, funds investing, there's a few different types of securities that might meet that value definition. And a value definition could be, you know, whatever metric, price to book, PE ratio, price to cash flow, whatever it may be. It just really means that they're cheaper than the market uh, in a fairly naive sense. But there could be three categories of securities that sort of roughly meet that cheapness. There could be that boring, low growth utility type security where, you know, Fundamentally, they are low growth, and so they might be producing a strong dividend that really doesn't grow too much each year. So their valuation may be fairly steady because there's no strong growth that's built into it. So the PE ratio may be lower than a growth security. There could be that security who's had an earnings downgrade, and so they've been sold off. And so on a naive value basis, you know, the PE, the price to book, whatever it may be, may have dropped from that price shock. So they might look cheap as being a downgraded security. And then related to that somewhat are the, the cyclical securities where they, they go in and out of favour across the economic or, or, or market cycle, okay? So they might be simply cheap today because their particular market or sector is out of favour. So there's different types of securities that might you know, meet that value definition. And, and the same is for, for growth. In, uh, growth is not just technology, you know, more expensive uh, uh, sectors more recently is consumer discretionary and, and healthcare as well, okay? Growth is not just tech, it, it, it's far broader. Uh, Cliff Asmus put a paper just last Friday on, on exactly this issue, which I'll leave you to, uh, to look at. So with that in mind, with different definitions, it's not necessarily, you know, we're going for a value manager, it's we need to look a bit, bit beneath beneath the surface. And this is what we're about to do. 
So I acknowledge that this is a uh, you know a fairly complex chart. We've got many many different uh, um, charts uh, with very very many different meanings. And, and what it is, it's a delta factors uh, analysis that. Uh, and what it does is it simultaneously allows us to look at the various um, factors uh, and, and academic-like factors um, that define the style and, and uh, the risks of those factors um, for a particular manager. It helps us understand the investment performance behaviour of, of the particular manager that we're looking at. Okay, so I'm going to point out a few things um, and we'll focus on the left. Now, the left is really just a risk profile. And, and I'll just simply say one thing. The fact that the blue, which represents the market risk, is well below 90% suggests this is a very benchmark unaware strategy. Okay, and then you can see a whole range of other colours, the purple one being value is representative of uh, their style. So let's go into this, okay? So on the bottom right, I haven't circled it. It is a value style. However, I want to point out several other components of, of the, the makeup of this strategy or the behaviour of this strategy. Firstly, with quality, okay? This is like your Warren Buffett factor. Quality represents those companies that have consistent, good profitability and strong balance sheets, so low levels of debt. Think about that in the context of rising interest rates. Do we want a strategy with rising interest rates that has a weaker balance sheet, okay, um, or weaker profitability? So this particular value strategy is a very negative beta on quality. So potentially a weaker, uh, most likely they're investing in weaker balance sheets um, type securities, uh, which could be prone to rising interest rates, as mentioned. What other characteristics? Minimum volatility. These are uh, minimum volatility securities uh, have shown that, that well, they're, they're the sort of, sort of securities that have a lower beta or lower volatility compared to the market, okay? They're like your defensive type securities, your more boring securities, again. They're not that volatile. Uh, they're not really... Um, they're not highly volatile. Now, this, this particular strategy also invests in a negative beta to minimum volatility, which is higher volatility. So the, you know, they're really much more volatile than the market, which is reflected in the beta of the market. And we can see this particular strategy has a 1.3 beta, if you can read that. So it's far more, has a far more sensitive to market behaviour. So if we believe, if we're concerned about rising interest rates also creating uh, market volatility, whilst the red fund has been the best performer, is it the right fund today? There is a number of other risks aside from being value that this, this analysis has sh shown. And finally, the ESG beta, it is negative. So if we're investing with a sustainable ethical ESG uh, mindset, this has got a very strong negative beta or negative correlation to that, which may be you know, an indication of some poor characteristics in that sense as well. So we're, we've taken a dive into other characteristics. So let's look at one of the other funds. Okay, this is also a, a strong value um, strategy. We've reduced this particular strategy is slightly different to red. The green one 
has got a slightly lower betas, similar to the market. So we sort of got a full replication of our market exposure, if you like. We're still fairly negative on the quality aspect. So if we think that this matters in a rising interest rate market, if we want stronger balance sheets, this could be a question mark. But there are some defensive characteristics insofar that they are investing in less volatile securities within the market. And the ESG beta, whilst being a little bit negative in recent times, it's it's sort of not as negative as the as the red fund, the previous one. Okay. So some defensive characteristics in a rising interest rate market, maybe some, some question marks there. Let's move on to the blue fund. Again, it's another value fund. The beta, however, we've reduced that. So again, if we're concerned about the market um, being volatile, we've sort of reduced that beta a little bit more potentially. The minimum volatility, that is negative. So they are probably still investing in slightly more volatile securities. Maybe the beta is due to a higher cash level. But what we've also done is we've, we've this by, with this manager potentially is we've got a fairly consistent high quality beta as well. And what that means, it's the opposite of before. We've got potentially securities with a stronger balance sheet and more consistent profitability. And that ESG beta, yeah, it's sort of slightly negative. It's probably a bit more noise than anything. So it's probably similar ESG characteristics to the market. So does this higher volatility, does that provide some, def, you know, does that, is that a concern? Well, let's look at the final fund, which is the orange uh, value strategy. Um, its beta is also low. It's got a very defensive characteristics with the, with the, um, the minimum volatility beta being quite high. We've still got a positive quality bias and we've introduced even another um, factor into the equation, which is momentum. So what's momentum? That's those securities that have performed best more recently. So there's sort of, that's a, that is, to be honest, that is probably the most successful um, smart beta or style or factor that, that's really existed over the last 40, 40 years, but it can come with a, with a high turnover cost. But nevertheless, there is some stronger balance sheet characteristics, some defensive characteristics, and also some pretty strong ESG characteristics with a strong beta there. So not all value strategies are the same. I think we need to look beneath the surface. In the, if we do believe that value is the place to be because we're concerned about the rising interest rates um, around the world and we think this, this uh, particular uh, momentum of, of the value factor will continue, well, how should we invest? I think we need to in, look beyond the value factor. I think potentially that we need to look at the balance sheet strength. We need to consider other factors like quality. Do Are we concerned about market volatility? I think the low volatility securities could potentially be an issue. Do we look at large cap versus small cap and ESG? That's really a position, uh, an issue for our investment philosophy. But to invest with these considerations means we must invest with a multi-factor mindset. So I'll leave you also with a second question. How will you assess that?
I've got a question that came in directly uh, to me, which is what's the application of factor analysis? Um, so it's it's in effect, what, why, how does this tangibly work? You kind of touched on it a little bit at the end, but have a crack at answering that quickly, please, Michael. First and foremost, uh, my, my belief when we're designing portfolios is that, you know, it's important that we, we uh, invest, uh, we design a portfolio that is a reflection of our investment philosophy. Um, and if, if our investment philosophy dictates that we should invest in a, um, in a value um, um, sense, so we, you know, or maybe it might be even a market neutral sense, we can use, we can apply this sort of analysis to make sure that the sum total of our, or, or the, of our allocation might be market neutral, it might have a value style or whatever reflects our investment philosophy. What I've articulated today is that we can potentially use these factors as risk mitigators as well. So I've articulated that um, potentially you know, rising interest rates will put pressure on balance, you know, on those with uh, potentially flaky balance sheets, where if they're carrying a lot of debt, you know, rising, rising interest rates will mean that, you know, I guess profits might reduce because of um, you know, that, that cost of uh, debt. So do we want um, uh, secure, uh, a value manager with a negative quality bias? So that is a risk mitigator in that sense. Or perhaps, you know, that quality bias is also part of our uh, philosophy, like we do see with a lot of uh, value-focused Warren Buffett-like investors, dare I say. Thank you, Mike. We'll, uh, we'll see Anthony Garvey's question. Uh, why are fund managers, in my perception, often keen to play down or label themselves as, for example, growth or value? And Hong has answered it uh, uh, exquisitely because it's, he says it helps them raise fun. We've seen a recent example where growth manager updated its FSC to say they're now idiosyncratic. Um, yeah, so do you want to make a quick observation or comment on that as we draw to a conclusion? The simple answer, and it's just to keep it concise, uh, I think an active manager... Um, uh, wants to differentiate itself from from many of the smart beta ETFs that are coming through, or the factor style ETFs that are coming through. Uh, you know, I've spoken about quality. We can buy quality very, very cheaply. So, so um, if 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 we're going to uh, you know buy, go go towards an active manager, you know, um, it's important that they are they do have a, a, a level of idiosyncratic risk that adds value over and above. Uh, that quality index moving forward. So um, they're competing with smart beta strategies or systematic strategies now. So so being idiosyncratic to them may, uh, matters from a marketing perspective uh, uh, as much as anything.